Welcome to the Wake and Take podcast. Football season is back, and so are we. Vikings lose to Cincy in overtime. We recap that one and look ahead to Arizona next week. Then we talk St. Thomas. Basketball team landed a huge four-star recruit over the weekend from Totino Grace, and the football team getting their first win in Division I. Big weekend for St. Thomas. We talk P.J. Fleck, uh, USC news. We talk about Norm McDonald and Ramble and Rick's bit tonight. And, uh, and some Viking stats as well. All that today on the Wake and Take podcast. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Show. Boys are back together. Football season is underway. We got one week of NFL in the books. And gentlemen, it was a dismal weekend for our NFC North. 0-1 across the board, but uh, your Minnesota Vikings, by point differential, lead the NFC North after one week. Uh, Randy, Zach, joining us via Zoom tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You know, it's a, it's a Hawkeye State, and we got a top-five football team. So I don't know what's going on in Wisconsin with the, the Badgers and the Packers, but, and Iowa all as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that one, too. Iowa, Iowa State, big showdown this past weekend, and it went the way that it's been going. Now, is that seven in a row for the Hawkeyes, Andy? Seven in a row. We're 20-5 and five in our last, going back three seasons. Whoa. Uh, with no, none of the losses coming by more than six points. Wow. Uh, A lot of things to talk about tonight. P.J. Fleck, rumors swirling now about the USC job. There's been Ben Simmons talk for a while now starting to heat up. St. Thomas in the news uh, with their first D1 win and also a big-time basketball recruit committing over the weekend. Uh, So a lot to talk about. Let's start with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I had to work on Sunday. Last Sunday working, had to train in a new guy. It was the worst possible shift I could have ever had to take, but... I did. It was right during the middle of the Vikings game. I watched the first two drives, saw the, I think it was four penalties on the first drive, uh, three <laughs> off starts and holding. Oh, yeah, you're still muted, BG. Yeah, I think it was at least four on the first drive, but if not four, then the first two drives, there was eight. Yeah, I think it was 12 all day, and uh, the Vikings got killed in that department. It was 12 penalties, 14 called, 12 accepted. Um three against the Bengals, so that's not going to win you a game, especially not on the road. Uh, but there were some positives, so let's go through the positives here, uh, BG and Zach. Uh, I thought Thielen, at least from the stat sheet, again, I didn't see the game. I watched some highlights, but at least from the stat sheet, had a pretty nice day, made some nice catches. Uh, had that one nice catch. I think it was the second drive or maybe the first drive of the game on third down. Uh, it was kind of like a five-yard out in with some contact. Made a nice catch over the head to pick up the first down. Uh, but there was some positive. I think the receiving core is going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, Thielen started off where he left off last season, just being the old reliable target for Kirk to go to when the play broke down or when he had a pre-snap read. Um, Thielen is, is his go-to guy, whether it's first down or third and long, and it definitely showed in the first game this past weekend. Um, I was surprised by that. I thought it would have been 
maybe equal to Thielen and Jefferson or shifted to Jefferson um, with this offseason and that season that Jefferson had last season. But, yeah, Thielen looked really good um, just getting open, as he usually does, not being mm-hmm. the most athletic or big guy, but just running routes and being a smart receiver, as well as capping it off with two touchdowns coming off that 15 or 16 touchdown season he had last year. So, hey, I think we're going to have a three-headed monster this season with wide receivers, obviously Thielen and Jefferson, but then KJ Osborne had seven catches as well, same as Jefferson, both seven catches, and I think Osborne had like seventy-five yards. So yep. it sounded like he had a great summer and a really good off season in the training camp, um, so uh, and mini camp. So I think that he's going to be a great target once they key in on Thielen and Jefferson um, and get Osborne open. Yeah, Osborne, pretty pretty good start for him. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned seven catches, 76 yards. He had the big one on fourth down. Um, in That was the end of regulation. He had that big fourth and four conversion. Yeah, up the uh, sideline. Ran a little out route. Uh, good play there. I mean, that's, that's a, a position that we haven't been able to fill with somebody who's legit the number three receiver for quite a while now. That's, that's going to be a pretty good unit if they can get some time uh, for Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's that's been the issue, and for whatever reason, it might be the uh, the downfall of Spielman and Zimmer that they just cannot develop offense alignment. I mean, it's been a mess, and now the latest guy, Darisaw, not even playing in this first game. Wyatt Davis, who we heard a ton about uh, in training camp, I guess he's healthy now, but he just he's not yeah, even didn't start. didn't start healthy scratch. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if you can say that about a rookie, but he, yeah. you know, they were talking about how good he was playing in training camp, didn't even play for us. And obviously, Darisaw, we're not going to see him next week. Presumably, we'll, we'll see when we get him back. But this this offensive line now, with the big matchup they have coming up against Arizona, we're in some trouble. we got to figure it out and figure it out fast. Yeah, and it's just disappointing to see because it seems like every year we're talking about the, the one Vikings flaw that we have in the season is that we can't protect the quarterback. We have a really good quarterback when he has time, but we just – can't give him time and we say that over and over again each season so it doesn't get fixed in the off season which is disappointing and I think what's even more disappointing going back specifically to the last game is that yeah we don't have the best crew um, on the offensive line we have Brian O'Neill who's I think one of the best right tackles in the league and gave him a big extension but beyond that we're making mental mistakes where everybody who started on the line had at least one penalty um, in the whole game including Brian O'Neill a guy who shouldn't have any, but it's just frustrating to see like the limited physical capabilities we have and compounding that, compounding that with mental mistakes. It's just, I think a lapse of coaching from either Zimmer or the offensive line coach and having these guys prepared to play in a loud environment and an away stadium. But also it's just on these guys. These are professional football players. They should know better, Mm -hmm. especially after the second or third penalty gets called to end with 14 or 12 accepted calls, whatever it was, it's just pathetic. Yeah, uh, let's hit on one more positive before we really get negative here on the Vikings. <laughs> but uh, from the looks of it, Michael Pierce was kind of a monster uh, on Sunday and guy we missed greatly last year as he sat out with COVID uh, or because of COVID worries. Uh, but that offense or that defense line, rather, they should be okay. I mean, I, I'm not too worried about the defense. Again, I didn't get to see him play, but listening to Zimmer talk about it, it uh, sounded like we had a couple breakdowns in coverage with uh, Breland. Uh, but you get those things cleaned up and you get Daniil Hunter at full speed. I don't know if he was completely full speed and it was his first NFL game in like over 600 days, probably 650 days, something like that. Uh, so you get his first action and you just expect him to get faster as the uh, season goes on. But I think the the defense will be okay. It's still going to go back to that offensive line. If they can figure out if they can stop getting penalized 
if they can find a way to uh, protect Bradbury because he's just getting overpowered. He's too small at that center position. And they got some big guys around him. I mean, Udo is just a massive human mm-hmm. being, and he just can't seem to to stay on side. And when he doesn't stay on side, he's holding. Or when he does stay on side, he's holding. Yep. So it's just a big mess right now. And if they can't get the running game going, if they can't even line up and call a play and get the playoff without going back five yards, you'll never be able to set up the play action. I mean, that's what this offense relies on. That's what they did so well last year. That's what makes Kirk Cousin a top 10 quarterback is how good he is out of the play action. I think he's second only to Patrick Mahomes in completions and touchdowns out of play action from a season ago. And if you give him time and you give him the right complimentary, like complimentary football with running and passing, and then you get second and short and Kirk has a chance to go deep to Thielen or to Jefferson in single coverage, you like that matchup if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they just didn't have the chance to even get that going on Sunday. Yeah, and going back to what you're saying about the defense line, I think that, yeah, it was an encouraging show um, from the defense line when we ended up with five sacks, which I'm guessing we didn't have five sacks in any game last year. If we did, it was probably one. But, yeah, Michael Pierce, like you said, had two sacks. Great first game as a Viking. It, I, it looked like Daniil Hunter wasn't full health. I guess I hope he isn't full health. Based on the way he played, I, he did have one sack, which obviously if you sack in your defensive end, that's Pretty good. good enough. But he just didn't seem like the old Daniil Hunter get into the quarterback nearly every play. So I hope um, once he gets healthier and just in more football, live game condition, it'll improve it. But yeah, I think for the most part, that defense line looked a hell of a lot better than last year. And it showed um, in the secondary mm-hmm. where we weren't trying to cover receivers five seconds after the snap. Um, was taken. But with that said, Bashad Breeland, like you said, had a couple of just what the hell are you doing plays um, that ultimately gave up at least seven points directly and I'm sure led to more than that. But some goods and some negatives to take away. Yeah, and you hope that's just coverage breakdowns where uh, where I think one time Zimmer said he flipped his hips the wrong way and that's just simply technique. And if he had the right technique, he's not going to get burned that badly. But, I mean, it's tough to see that. Um, and... Uh, the one thing I was going to mention, positive side for the defense, they were 3 of 14 uh, allowing first downs on third down. So that's pretty good uh, conversion percentage there, holding teams to 3 of 14 on third down. Uh, if you can keep that up, you're going to win a lot of ball games, especially on the road. That's a great stat uh, for a week one road game. But uh, they're going to have to improve. I mean, they got, they got a really tough matchup this week now with Arizona. Uh, Murray went off against Tennessee. And uh, so did their D lineman, Chandler Jones. I think he had five sacks. Mm-hmm. And he was going against all pro uh, line left tackle, uh, Taylor Lewin. Uh, so five sacks on, on a lineman who's far and away better than anybody we have on our team. Uh, that's that's going to be a tough matchup for us. <laughs> Rashad Hill is just going to have the worst three hours of his life um, next Sunday at noon. It's Or three, I forget when we play. But, yeah, it's going to be really rough to watch, but... Yeah, I heard. The, the Vikings has have the skills to win any game, I think. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have to perform and prepare. This will be our second away game, obviously. So um, I'm hoping they kind of have a little hell week at practice after their performance and Zimmer gets the guys ready for playing in another really, really harsh environment on the road in Glendale. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to stay atop the NFC North and get back to 500. Zach, your thoughts from uh, Sunday's loss? I uh, I was driving through Wisconsin um, for the first half of the game, and I couldn't see or I couldn't find any radio stations that were playing the Vikes game, unfortunately. Um, so the second half I watched, I just thought it was 
it, I don't know. I, I don't know if the Bengals look good or we look bad. I know we, we're talking about a lot of penalties we made, but uh, it shouldn't have come down to that last uh, of um, for Cook. You know, he didn't fumble that ball. Everyone knows that. It shouldn't have come down to that, though. And, I, I you know, I suppose that's just how the day was turning out for us. And we're driving there at the end. And it, I don't know if it would have been worth a, a loss or a tie in that situation, tying the Bengals. Kind of embarrassing, but um, I think that I think that maybe the Bengals, maybe they deserve credit for this one instead of us. I think we did lose this one, but also they look better than maybe they were advertised to. So can't hang our heads too low about this one. Yeah, um, I, I think their defense was pretty good, at least on paper. They had a, a pretty nice afternoon, uh, and Zimmer complimented them in the postgame presser. Let's, let's hear from Zim now. Coach, what were your thoughts on that disappointing season opener? Okay, very disappointing today. Uh, way too many penalties. Shot ourselves in the foot, especially in the uh, first half. Uh, way too many times. Um, you know, I think we're, av- we're averaging third and 21 on uh, on the uh, up until the third quarter. Uh, through the third quarter, um, we had 14 penalties, 10 of them accepted and four declined. Um, you know, just way too many mistakes. Um, so yeah, it was uh, very disappointing. Then we got a chance to rally and come back and win the game. We fumbled the ball, and uh, you know we give up that fourth and inches uh, throw. So um, got a lot of work to do. We don't uh, still got a long way to go. Um, Coach, why so many false starts? Yeah, I have no idea about the false starts. We haven't had hardly any of those in camp. Um, we've been harping on them about where their hand placement is and things like that. And, um, you know, we, we just got to clean that up. Damn right you do. Uh, Coach, what happened to the defense? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, defensively, I thought for the most part we played good. I thought we wore down a little bit in the, in the run game, late in the ball game. Um, had to make a couple adjustments there. We had to make a couple adjustments in coverage. Um, but, you know, we were getting decent pressure on him. And, um, you know, we, I think we were decent on third downs. Coach, your thoughts on Brashad Breland? Yeah, um, you know, I thought he did some good things. And then obviously he had, you know, he had the, uh, there was a couple shots, uh, hit a dig route on him um, early. And then, uh, you know, when we jumped off sides on defense, uh, you know, he just, they all went deep and threw it up and he, he got the P.I. there. So, um, yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, he'll be all right. Thanks, Coach, for the <laughs> time. Uh, kind of sounded like a defeated Mike Zimmer. I mean, he's not very jovial at, at any point, but he, he just kind of sounded defeated yesterday. And he didn't take a lot of blame, which I would have liked to see him take a little more blame because uh, your team just came out and laid an egg in the first game of the season in a year that his contract is most likely on the line. Same with the GM. Uh, seat now just slightly warming, and we'll keep an eye on that throughout the year. But I would say that that heat seater is on low right now. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> there's a good amount of people to blame for losing this game against the Bengals, uh, the penalties, defense not tackling well but I think a big part of that blame should be directly on Zimmer for not preparing these guys to play um, playing very little of the starters in all of preseason seeing very little action live action in the preseason which directly results to conditioning and um, just being ready and prepared for the game and being physical tackling people covering guys wide receivers in live games going 100 percent we we rarely saw any of that 
and we did see the Vikings struggle tremendously in all three preseason games. Um, and then to expect just from those three preseason games to have a stellar first regular season game with guys not even playing together in the preseason when we have eight new starters on the defense it's and a, a whole new offensive line with bringing guys in. It's just expecting a lot from a team that is a pretty young team other than the older core um, <clears throat> of Kendrick Smith um, and just older guys who haven't played together with the Vikings defense. So I think Zimmer was expecting a lot from the team to come together, and it was just assuming that they would do better than they did, and mm-hmm. I think he should have prepared and practiced more than it showed in the game. Yeah, I mean, they, they asked Thielen about it. We didn't get a chance to talk to Thielen tonight here on the Wake and Take pod, but he said it didn't have any impact, the, the, the bad preseason, the no rhythm, and, and a lot of it was because of uh, having stars out. You know, Dalvin Cook didn't play, Justin Jefferson didn't play, Kirk didn't play a lot, and they never really got into a rhythm offensively at, at any point in the preseason or really in training camp at all. And Thielen said it had no impact on the loss, but you got to imagine it does. I mean, you haven't had any good drives. You haven't had any rhythm throughout the entire preseason. You'd have to go back to a season ago and even probably like midseason where we had any actual rhythm as an offense. But it definitely has an impact. I mean, when you go out to an okay team in Cincinnati and you just lay an absolute egg offensively and you're having mental mistake after mental mistake, and things that Coach Zim said they didn't even see during the preseason, then that's obviously unprepared team that was not ready to go in week one. They're going to have to get better, and they have to get better fast. Yep, I agree. The, on, the only thing I was really happy with, I guess, week one was the special teams for the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Greg Joseph just icing his veins, knocking down a 50-yarder um, right before the timeout was called going back, knocking down that 50-yarder to get the game into overtime. And both those kicks looked good. He had a, a Bengal defensive guy right in his ear for about 30 seconds before kicking the second one. Yeah. And he just drilled it straight through. So that was good to see. And then our punter. I know mm-hmm. we picked up an Aussie punter a couple of weeks ago and got rid of Colquitt because he just has – not Colquitt, the other guy who had blanking on his name. He just has a boomer for his leg, and he – I think he had one of the best punting outings that I've seen probably in the last five years for the Vikings. It's not, uh, is it Jordan Berry? Yeah, I think so. Jordan Berry. Jordan Berry, he played really, really well. And yeah, I thought our like coverage a- did well too, but all around special teams was by far superior than Cincinnati's and really good, especially when you compare it to Minnesota's special teams last year. He had a 63 yard punt that got fair caught. <laughs> so, like that, like it didn't bounce or anything. It was probably yeah. like. 70 yards in the air, then yeah, he had a crazy seven yards back. You got to imagine oh the hang God. time, too, was ridiculous if, if somebody's fair catching a 63-yard punt. Fair cut, yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yep. Wow. We'll have to talk to our uh, local Australian correspondent, see if they know uh, Mr. Barry. <laughs> got to get Oscar Poole on the show here, see if he knows Barry. Looks like Barry's the from surfer. Melbourne. The surfer back no, Oh, yeah, pro surfer, excuse me. Pro surfer Oscar Poole. Um Let's talk a little NFC North. Uh, we mentioned it. Everybody lost, uh, and the Vikings are leading with point differential. But let's start with Pack. They get destroyed, Randy, by the Saints. Jameis Winston, five touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, two picks. One of them was in the red zone where he said he got hit in the nuts. That's why he threw a pick. Uh, that's at least <laughs> what he told Pat McAfee on Monday morning. Randy, your thoughts from a tough week one loss? Uh, not all of the thoughts. Uh, wasn't doing much thinking during that game. 
Um, there was absolutely nothing positive to take away from it. Jordan, besides Jordan Love, not looking terrible when he came in a garbage time. So, I mean, on to on to the, the Detroit Lions and uh, and Man Campbell. So, yeah. it's um, you know, I this is a little bit of a sad. I had this realization this this weekend about you know the difference between college and and pro football and you know how with college football as long as your team is undefeated early um, I mean there's always hope for your team you know there's always a glimmer of hope as long as your team sort of keeps winning mm-hmm. um, whereas in the NFL you know you have a week one loss and it's like oh we can still make the playoffs and everything like the game like the regular season games that's something they're not important but they're less important than in college. In college, I just am so much more excited for college football games as opposed to NFL regular season games. Um, and between Iowa and Green Bay this weekend, it just that just really hit home. Yeah. I mean, they just mean a lot more in college. You can't lose one to uh, Miami oh, or yeah. Iowa like the Gophers almost did mm-hmm. and expect <laughs> to be in a good ball game. Uh, or at, your, at least if you do that, you're putting yourself in such a hole that you're going to have to run the table. Uh, to get into a good ball game, but yeah, I'm with you there. You got the Lions next week at home, and that should be a uh, that could be a tight one, Randy. The Lions aren't bad; they're fighting hard under Dan Campbell. They they lost this week to the 49ers, but they a uh, couple of late touchdowns. I mean, they scored more points in the last like 10 minutes of that football game than any other NFC North team scored all week. Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty almost. I think let's see, they they scored 24. I think they scored 22. I think they scored 24. Four. Okay, so they tied the Vikes. Maybe not. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it was a lot of points and not a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I know they had a touchdown and a two-point conversion, an onside kick, another touchdown, a two-point mm-hmm. conversion, and then they onside, They must have onside again. I don't think they got it. The game was over, but it, it was respectable, 41-31, uh, but it was pretty ugly for most of that game and a lot closer in the, uh, in the scorebook at the end than it actually was. Uh, and the Bears. I'll, 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 I'll give a I'll give a shout out to uh, right tackle Matt Nelson. Uh, went to uh, went to my high school, Xavier High School. He played tight end in high school. Oh, went okay. to the University of Iowa and played defensive tackle. Yeah, um, was a second team All Big Ten defensive tackle. Um, wasn't drafted. Um, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Lions, and now is the starting right tackle for the Detroit Lions. Like just bouncing around all the different positions. I love it. Maybe a future uh, so guest on the a, show too. Possibly future guest in the store too. On the on on the on the uh, show too. So we'll uh, we'll work some channels and I'll work some channels to see what I can get. Yeah, when he comes to Minnesota, can hop on over to the studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be <laughs> that would be beautiful. Yes, he's like six eight. He's he's absolutely ginormous. Mm. Oof. Uh yeah, well, work on that for us, Randy. That'd be that'd be a good get. Mike Nelson, Matt Nelson, Matt Nelson. There we go. Never heard of her. Moving on to the Bears, <laughs> they got creamed on Sunday Night Football, thirty-four fourteen. It was close in the first half. Mm. I, I watched a little bit of that game. It was pretty close in the first half, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, Matt Stafford looking good out in LA. He he might be a dark horse for MVP. Because I think the Rams are a really good team. They're in the Super Bowl conversation, I believe, with that offense and that defense that they have. They're going to go far. Um, and I feel like any team that goes far who has a somewhat good quarterback, they could potentially be in the MVP race. But I think Matthew Stafford is 
one of the most underrated quarterbacks, and now it's we're seeing how good he can be when he has a really good program with him, a great defense behind him, and then great head three coach. or four really good head coach and yeah. three good quality re- receivers mm-hmm. uh, to throw to. So I'm I'm loving it. I'm a big Stafford fan. Yeah, I think they're kind of in the Vikings camp where they don't have a lot of depth though. They're pretty top heavy, and if some of their top guys like happened the last couple of years get hurt, they could fall off. But at the moment, they're riding high and they look pretty good. Yeah, could be a dark horse out of the NFC for sure. Uh, wrapping up football, fellas, any other thoughts from this past Sunday? If nobody well, does, I've got you, a couple you, crazy stats. You, I was just going to say quickly, are we talking Monday night? Can we conclude yeah, that? Yeah, let's or? talk Monday night. I didn't even, I forgot about that. Yeah, game. And then I that can, was really the only game I watched from start to finish this weekend. Crazy football game. Dude, that was, I don't like, that was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. First of all, Darren Waller, I think he had 20 targets. 19. I think he targeted 19 targets. Dude, I looked up the record. Brandon Marshall in 09 got targeted 29 times. <laughs> he had 20 catches. Against the Colts on December that. 13th, right? Yeah, you looked that up. Too. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be one of mine. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, you're good. And he had 21 catches. Unbelievable. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. crazy. Dude, Waller, Waller was just, I mean, like, it's predictable, but it's, I don't know. Gruden, why can't said, just... Gruden, said that, uh, Gruden said yesterday that Waller is, like, the greatest player he's ever coached. <laughs> well, he's probably, I, which is, I which, love which Gruden. Is, which, is, which is probably the 60th player that he's said that about. Yeah, I was going to say, he said that <laughs> so many times. <laughs> That's awesome. He just he loves football. about, like, practice squad guys. <laughs> There's something about watching John Gruden coach a football game, and especially a game like that where it's, back and forth uh, at, at the very end there. It looks like the Raiders have it locked up. They score the touchdown. The place goes crazy. They say, you know, he was down at the half-inch yard line. They end up throwing a pick in the end zone, Gruden losing his mind, and then to have him go win it at the end and just see his the joy on his face again. And he's just like a little kid. It's so fun watching him win football games. Do, do, do you want to hear real quick my, my top three uh, football coaches who look good when they have their legs spread hands on their knees and they're bending down. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Like no. when they're on the side It's like the John Harbaugh yeah, so, pose. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so, so my top three, number three is urban Meyer. Uh, cause mm-hmm. it's always Classic, when yeah. the Buckeyes or whatever, yeah, what, whoever's in trouble. Uh, number two is Nick Saban. He's usually doing it when they're crushing like Mercer or someone like that. When he's about ready to rip his team. Uh, <laughs> and number one is number one is John Gruden. I mean, he just, he just looks fantastic when he's, when he's in that position. That was an elite power ranking right there of coaches <laughs> in the coach stance. I, I think Harbaugh's got to be on there. He's always in that stance. Power stance, hands on the hips, usually a little lean Yeah, but he, but, but he over he, he, he overuses it, though, you know? That's I mean, true, like, those yeah. other guys, like, it's, um, you know, it's situational. It is Harbaugh's signature move. Yeah, like the playbook hanging out of his back pocket yeah. when he's in that. Yeah, I can picture that. Absolutely. I like it. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was an all-time football game, and it was fun to see that that, that stadium too finally have some fans in it because they were rocking sixty-five thousand, pretty loud on TV too. It was fun to watch. Yeah, we had the pleasure of watching that on Monday night, and then Sunday night seeing the SoFi Stadium so for the first too. time with fans, and that place was absolutely rocking. And they had I don't I guess I don't know what the their titles are, but they had the guy who does like the WWE announcements mm-hmm. and many others Saturday night. I forget his name. And then, or Sunday, Sunday night. night, and then his brother, 
who does the yeah, it's UFC our, MMA. Is it like Brody or something? Or I Barry? I think the, it ends the buffer, with an R. The buffer. Buffer, yeah. The, the buffer, buffer Brothers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just awesome to see. Um, and that was fun. But I was going to tell you guys, and I know we talked about it a little bit before, about the bad beat that yeah. I had for uh, yeah. last night. Yep. And, I mean, if you didn't watch the game, you didn't watch the game, so it's not going to mean as much. But <clears throat> for those who did watch the game, I did a five-player prop parlay. So five prop bets on players all had to be right in order to me to win the bet. First one I had was Derek Carr getting over 266 yards. Um, and wow. that, that happened pretty easily once he got going in the fourth quarter. Uh, second one, Darren Waller will get over 73 receiving yards. That one also happened pretty easily in the second half. Uh, third, Marquise Brown will have over three and a half receptions. That happened in the first half. So I was three out of five, and I had two more left, and it was not looking good for me with about two minutes left. Um, my other two were Mark Andrews will have four or more receptions, and he had three at the time. And then Derek Carr will have over one and a half passing touchdowns, and he had one at the time. And I was just ready to book it in. I think the Ravens were going in to score, um, and it wasn't going to matter. But then the Ravens threw a pass. Lamar Jackson threw a pass to Mark Edwards, like a five-yard slant, hit him right in the chest, right in the numbers, absolutely no reason he should have dropped it. He dropped the pass, and that would have got him to four catches, so it would have been good there. But at the same time, I was thinking, okay, Ravens are driving with a minute left. It's not going to matter since Derek Carr still needs another touchdown. Well, Lamar, as we know, ended up fumbling, and the Raiders ended up throwing – Derek Carr ended up throwing a touchdown pass on that last pass to get to two touchdowns. And then ultimately the only thing I was missing was a Mark Andrews reception um, by one, which was that drop. It's just – Brutal, and it just happens so many times. If you're betting, there's always something, whether it's the last leg of your parlay or who knows what. There's always something. But how much is on the line? You got to keep betting to get out of the cold streak. Um, I just bet fifteen. Shoot to get hot. Yep, shoot to get hot. Shoot to stay hot. Uh, I bet fifteen. It was to win like sixty-eight. So it would have been a little nice payout, but at the same time, it wasn't like a four hundred dollar winning I lost or. Hundred dollars I put on the bet, but still definitely yeah, frustrated. Still and one of those where it's just if you catch a wide open pass, it, it would have done it for me. Unreal. Yep. Um, quick one around the NFL. Two other things. I know I I said it on the pod maybe like six months ago about the stat that the Giants had the last white cornerback from like two thousand two. Well, we have a oh, yeah. we have an update on that. Uh, Troy Apke is officially the first white cornerback in the NFL since 2002 on the Washington football team. Nice. Um, I know, yep, Troy's a big listener, so shout out to Troy um, for listening and making it happen. We're, we're cheering you on. Um, good for you. And then when we're also on the Washington football team here, Samus Reyes is the tight end. And I had this when uh, the preseason and training camp was ending because they were announcing roster cuts. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the guys on the football team to make the 53-man roster. And he is from Chile. And he came came to Tulane University to play basketball Mm. there. Um, He had never played in a football game, never played football before. And he was just super athletic at Tulane playing basketball. And he went to Florida's NFL Pro Day Mm -hmm. and went off at the Pro Day, kind of like Googs. Yeah, kind of like Googs. Just going off at the Pro Day. But he ended up making the... 53-man roster as the third tight end on the team. So I guess technically kind of took Goog's spot because Goog's was in 
Washington just, yeah, for a little bit. We didn't talk about that on no. the pod, but yeah. Yeah. Dang. Um, but that's just sick. <laughs> Somebody who hasn't played football before, like 12 months from now, makes a 53-man roster. That's so impressive. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yep. From Chile, too. Chile. Uh, I haven't seen the last episode of Hard Knocks. Did that guy from uh, Mexico, did you see the last episode? I wonder if that I guy have not from finished Mexico the, the offensive lineman. Yeah. I don't know. Al Kalan or whatever, his parents were so annoying. They were just in the stands, like, <laughs> losing their minds over a preseason game. And they were just, like, screaming in Spanish. <laughs> Sorry, they're like, andale, vamos, vamos, vamos. Well, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't make the 53-man, but I know because of, like, the NFL, NFL's diversity rules, can't they keep him without oh, uh, taking up a roster spot? They could. Or maybe they can, like, protect him on the practice squad or something. It's something like that where he can be on the team in some way or some form without yeah. counting. I wonder if Mord's boring or still in the NFL. <laughs> Oh, the German wide receiver the Vikings had? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to guess no. I'm going to look him up. I'm going to say a confident no. He was not good. (laughs) He was just (laughs) fast as hell. CFL. Let's see. Yeah? No, he's a... I don't know where he is. He's playing in Germany again, it looks like. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Um, Okay, well, good. That's uh, that's NFL week one. Uh, You guys want to talk about... Well, yeah, I got... got yeah. I, I got I got one more thing. One okay. more thing on the NFL weekend. So um, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but um, one of my favorite things about week one is watching games or watching Red Zone and being like, oh, I didn't know that that player was was on that team. Um, so I've got I've got a quick little list here. So you you guys know what team Matt Prater is kicking for? Arizona Cardinals starting kicker on my fantasy team. Mm-hmm. There you go. There I you go. Not have guessed. Um, he was drunk at half. <laughs> <laughs> was he? Uh, what, what, he always is. What what? What team is Cordero, Cordero Patterson playing? Oh, Falcons back up to Mike Davis. There you go. Jeez, electric. How many touches did he have? There you go. Week one? He had nine or team? seven carries for nine. 56 yards. Yeah. Yep, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so, 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 someone's either betting a lot or, or has no, I, have, I have Mike Davis in um, fantasy. I, I got Mike Davis in fantasy teams. Did you watch the ESPN video about the Atlanta running back situation? Is that where you saw that information at? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, I watched that same video. I was thinking maybe watch the same one. No, I go um, and check like, right, every next, box score after every game. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, I think we all realized it last night, but um, or two nights ago, but Deshaun Jackson, receiver for the Rams, yep. still around, mm. still, still hanging around. Deshaun Jackson? Mm-hmm. Wow. Deshaun Jackson. No How many weeks until he's back oh. in Philadelphia? <laughs> Reunion to yeah. part five in the Meadowlands. Yeah. The, the, the next one I got here, can you, can you guys name the Houston Texans backfield? Yes. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson. And? Uh, Houston. I don't. There's Rick no way Burkhead. Duke Johnson is still there. Rex Burkhead. Rex, okay. Rex Burkhead. No, no way. <laughs> if you if you if you three years ago told me that that was a backfield <laughs> on the NFL football team, <laughs> like that would be the most elite running back by committee backfield. Same with same with the Ravens. Yeah. Same with the Ravens with Le'Veon, yeah. Devontae Freeman. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, uh, injuries. But the yep. the last two I have here, the last two I have here. Uh, do you know what team Doug Marone is coaching for? Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay? I didn't like know. a position coach at Tampa D- Bay? D- D- Doug Marone is the offensive line coach for Alabama. 
Oh, wow, okay. Oh, do, 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 do you know where Bill O'Brien is coaching? Oh, he, yes. He is an offensive coordinator for the Cowboys or Bucks? For Alabama. For Alabama. Oh, that's right, Alabama. Alabama. Nick Saban takes NFL head coaches who got fired for like three and uh, 13 seasons or three and 12, whatever the math is, seasons. And they go like coach a position or or, or they're a coordinator at Alabama for a year or two. And then they go back back to head coaching somewhere. I mean, it is a rehab rehab facility for disgraced NFL coaches. And I absolutely love it. You go back... You go back to your coaching staffs over the last five years, and there's just lists of former NFL coaches that, that make up his staff. It is absolutely incredible. Randy, that sounds like a blog post from you. Nick Saban's rehab, <laughs> head coaching rehab facility. Just go through the, uh, just get us a list. Of like the 20 most recent rehab uh, applicants from the uh, Alabama football bar- program. I mean, Lane Kiffin's on there. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin's been on there a couple times. Yeah, he's been in there. He's been in and out of their program. Uh he famously left there without telling anyone. He took the uh, FIU job and didn't tell anyone. Just like yep. left an empty uh, an empty office. Lane train, baby. He does what he That's wants. The way to do it. He does what he wants. Where is he oh, at yeah. now? He's at uh, Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Ole Miss, I think. Ole Miss. Mike yeah. Leach is at Mississippi State. Yep. That is such a great head coaching. Uh, two head coaches for the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I Mike think we've talked about Giffen. that before. Now that I, that I think about that, but yeah, <laughs> that is that's all time. That might be the best. And, you know, for one of the best states, too, Mississippi, be. one of the smartest states. <laughs> um, okay, good. That's, that's, uh, is that everything, Andy? That, that, that's all I got. Beautiful. Let's get into a little college football. Um, we, didn't, we didn't pod last week, but uh, last week was week one. This is now week two of the college football season. Gophers got on the win column with a tight one against Miami of Ohio. Had the big lead. I think 21-3, then uh, Miami rattled off 17 straight. Made it a game at the end there. Gophers took care of business, got a touchdown, got the ball back, and knelt it out for a win, but not the way you want to go in week two against a pretty inferior opponent, Miami of Ohio. Uh, but now they got a good matchup action next week with Colorado, who's unranked but just played Texas A&M last weekend. Uh, and they play at Mile High Stadium, and it was a pretty good ball game. It was on national television 10-3 or 10-7, uh, they ended up losing to the number five ranked Texas A&M wow. uh, Aggies. But it, it was a great football game to watch, not only because there was a ton of people there, but there was probably half the stadium was Texas A&M fans. So it was like almost a home game for them in, in Mile High Stadium in Denver. But uh, that's going to be a tough matchup for us. And I think it's at Colorado, too, so it's going to be at Mile High. Should be rocking. Yeah, it's pretty cool since... Uh, we don't really play Colorado when it comes to football, no. and it's a Pac-10 team, um, I believe. That's what they are in basketball. They're in the Pac-10, so I would I don't assume. Know what they're in for football, check. Yeah, it could be different because football can be a little wonky, but just to play like a Pac-10 team, you don't really see that unless you're in the Rose Bowl or playing Oregon State for one of your first games of the season, um, which we've done recently. But, no, I think it will be a good matchup. Uh, I was listening to the radio this morning, and they said that, like, you know how each away team has an allotment of tickets mm-hmm. for, like, their home fans? Yep. Apparently, like, the Gophers went like that. Oh, good. Um, because Denver is an hour flight, whatever right. it is, and it's cheap, and it's super convenient to go back and forth. Yeah. So I'm expecting a good amount of Gophers fans to be there. Cool. Um, which would just be fun to watch the game, and hopefully we can 
pick up a good non-conference win um, and get back on track after a week one loss to a good Ohio State team and a subpar week two performance against Miami of Ohio. But I'm, I'm excited for it, and I hope that we come to play and come conditioned for that altitude. Yeah, it should be fun. It'll be fun to see Trey Potts in his uh, second week. Do we, know, do we know what the status of Ottman Bell is? Because he was out week two. I thought he was going to be back, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was he warmed up in the Gopher game against uh, Ohio State, and I don't know what he, and he. I assume he warmed up against Miami Ohio too. So I mean, that means at least from my perspective that he's close to coming back. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, he was a game time decision on that week one. I have no idea what happened week two, but hopefully he's back because they're going to need him. Um, although those other two receivers, Dylan Jackson and Dylan Wright, is it, are playing pretty damn good. It's the A uh, and M transfer i think his name's right uh dylan's the first name but he's had two pretty nice games now for minnesota and he's kind of coming into his own he looked a little bit like rashad bateman out there running some crossing routes over the middle taking him for an extra 10 15 yards after the catch and scoring a couple touchdowns i think he's got one in each game now uh one pretty nice back shoulder grab too against ohio state in the end zone uh so promising signs from the receiving core and pj fleck just shows another example of why he's so good at recruiting these receivers and just keep, keep these guys coming because uh, he's turned them into NFL products. We haven't seen from uh, Bateman yet. He hasn't played for, for Baltimore, but uh, hopefully he'll be a factor down there and just keep that pipeline coming. And I think one of those two good receivers, I can't remember who, and I can't remember their names, but one of them is a sophomore. Um, oh, so it's Daniel Jackson, sorry. Daniel Jackson and Dylan Wright. I was calling them both Dylan. But. Do you know which one's a sophomore? Uh, I believe Daniel Jackson is a okay. sophomore. Yeah, so, I mean, he's playing great right now. Will he have a reduced role with Ottman Bell? I don't know. Maybe the other guy will. Um, but playing the way he is against Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country, um, and just putting up a good performance last week, we could see him potentially going to the NFL if he is only a sophomore and putting up these numbers. Yeah, and Dylan Wright, too. I mean, I don't know. Let's see what his eligibility is like, um, but... He, he came over from Texas A&M, and they both scored last week, but he's made some nice catches, and he is he is a redshirt sophomore. Let's see about the other guy. So Dylan Wright, redshirt sophomore. Daniel Jackson is – I think he's a sophomore too because he played a little bit last year, and I believe that was his redshirt freshman year. Hmm. Um, and that could be a, a scary duo um, throughout this season and years to come if we have those two, who's got two guys and Ottman Bell. I just wish we could see that offense with Ibrahim back there. Yep, both sophomores. So, wow. uh, But Potts, is, I mean, he's been solid. Yeah, he, he is a very, very good backup. Yeah, he had a nice game uh, against Miami of Ohio. Had some really good runs where it looks like he's going to lose a couple of yards and he just finds a little yeah, hole he doesn't go and down. stumbles <laughs> forward. He just keeps the legs moving and just stumbles forward for first downs and extra yards, and it, it makes a difference. Um, he had two touchdowns, though, 34 carries, 178 yards. So... Quite the load he was carrying yeah, workhorse. <laughs> on Saturday. But they do have quite a few running backs. We talked to some random guy up in uh, Ottertail <laughs> Lake who was rattling off the five running backs uh, the Gophers have on their roster. and He seemed pretty promised about all five of them, but so far we've only seen Trey Potts, and he's done a damn good job. Yep. Uh, let's talk Iowa-Iowa State Cyhawk game this past weekend. Another one that was on national TV and uh, college game day. ESPN College Game Day was there for, I think, two out of three years now, Andy. That's a pretty good poll well, there. We didn't play the game last year due to COVID, so really back-to-back years. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... or back-to-back-to-back games, yeah. I should say. And um, 
I mean, I, it, it's interesting. I was reading an article, uh, or I forget if it was an article or a podcast, but basically, um, uh, the, the news media or the, the sports, sports journalism, uh, is, uh, there's unanimous consent that the state of Iowa, their, their college football teams treat the media better than any other college, uh, in the country. Apparently like when people go to visit Iowa, it's just like they're pampered. Like the food is great. The facility is great. They got cars, like all that stuff. And apparently they don't go to Iowa state a lot or they haven't in the past. And Iowa state is the same way. So it, it bodes well for Iowa uh, getting some some big games in the future if the uh, if the big wigs and, and the guys in the suits uh, <laughs> you know like have a, spot, have yeah. a good time. But um, you know some Iowa hospitality. We got um, Ashton Kutcher driving a Hawkeye tractor, or, or should, I should say a Hawkeye combine um, uh, game day to make his pick, uh, and we got a big win. I mean. You know, some 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 of the haters might say, "Hey, you have the 126th ranked offense in, in FBS, and there's only 126 teams in FBS." <laughs> uh, we have the number two defense, uh, and we've the only team to to play two ranked opponents this year. We've beaten both of them. So, um, you know, the, the, the end of the day, the stat that matters most is wins, uh, and we've got two of them, um, and we're, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna rack up probably three more the next three weeks, and then probably have a top 10 matchup against Penn State, uh, assuming Penn State takes care of Auburn this weekend. Uh, another top 10 matchup against Penn State uh, here on October 9th. Yeah. Um, so it'll be under be the a, lights at Kinnick. That's going to be a big uh, one. Have, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think – I don't know if game day will come because Alabama's playing Georgia maybe, or I think Alabama-Georgia might be that week. That's probably going to be the – the, the game day game of the week, but it'll be a night game at Kinnick. They'll strike the they'll strike the uh, the sections. Uh, it's an electric place to play, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I was at the game. I was at the Iowa game two weeks ago, and one of the things I miss about the stadium so much um, is the stadium trough uh, <laughs> in the bathroom. Oh yeah, um, there is there is there is nothing there's nothing like like a like a bathroom urinal trough. It is. Like, oh, just football's back. It's, it's electric. Absolutely. Nothing like those troughs. Uh, remember those from Metrodome way back in the day. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like <laughs> Alabama, Texas A&M play on the 9th. That's it. That's it. Same weekend as Iowa-Penn State. But either way, that place is going to be rocking down there at Kinnick. That'll be a big-time game. Penn State's tough this year, too, Randy. I don't know. I don't know if you guys got enough offense to get by. Yeah, I mean – I mean, it's we got three weeks for the offense to offense to warm up, and I mean our defense. Like, I mean our defense is is phenomenal. I mean, it is. Uh, I think I feel like it's it's said every year about um, you know about Kirk Ferentz teams, and I mean it's just um, the defense is so good. And we we're talking about a pre-show, but I mean Iowa the last you know last three years were twenty and five, and our five losses have been by no more than six points. Um, I mean, we just, are, and, and, and that's because our defense has been so good year in, year out that our defense keeps us in ball games, and we just need our offense to come alive when, um, when we need them to. And, you know, our, our offensive line isn't entirely healthy. Um, by the time that Penn State game rolls around, we should have a healthy offensive line. Um, and those, you know, those, those, those big, uh, big corn fed Iowa boys up front will be, uh, the move that any line has all the Oh yeah, baby. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else? College football wrapping up week two. Well, actually, I should say this. Let's talk uh, St. Thomas while we're on the mm. D1 football subject. Uh, getting their first win, not over a D1 opponent, but as a D1 team themselves. They took care of Michigan Tech this weekend, who plays D2 football, uh, but a win's a win. Tommy's 1-0 now after a 12-9 barn burner to a come-from-behind <laughs> 12-9 win uh, where Tommy's made a couple late field goals to clinch that game. But uh, congrats to those boys. Congrats to uh, Caruso. 1-0 now in a big matchup next week against Northern Iowa. You and I, Andy? Yep, you and I at the Unidome. I, I, the Unidome. I, I don't know yet. I might... It's what it's called. It's uh, it's where the state uh, it's where where state football is held uh, in Iowa every year because where else are we going to hold it in uh, in the middle of November? It's a cool stadium. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Unidome. Been there before. It's it's cool. Are you going to go unique. to the game? I'm I'm thinking about it. I just don't know. Honestly, it comes down to if the weather is great, then I'll probably golf. And if it's not great, then maybe I'll take the 30, 40 minute drive and go watch the Tommies. Uh, it's entirely up to the weather. I believe this might be totally wrong. Is that in Ankeny? Uh, no, it's in uh, Waterloo, Cedar Falls. How far is Ankeny from there? Was I just totally wrong? Ankeny is, is close to Ames, which might be what you're, you're thinking of. Okay. Huh. Well, yeah. That, uh, Mo- An- An- Ankeny's Des Moines area. Gotcha. But yeah, that, that's going to be a, a huge test <laughs> for the Tommies in their first Division One football game. I think Northern Iowa... Not sure what league they're in, but I, I believe they have a good football team. I know they have some good recruits yeah, and young guys for them. Year in year out, year in year out, they're they're a top. I mean, for the past decade, they've been a top fifteen FCS team like yeah. every year. I mean, they had they, they had a stretch for a couple of years. I mean, where it was them and NDSU or whichever North Dakota, South Dakota team um, in the FCS championship game a couple of years in a row. Um, so it's a good football team. They almost beat Iowa State two weeks ago now. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be a great test for uh, uh, for Crusoe and the boys. Yeah, I mean, do they keep it within thirty? <laughs> I feel like they're gonna get blown yeah. out. I wonder what the spread is. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing don't know. they have a spread. Oh, yeah. oh if, if they're playing Northern Iowa, you'll definitely be able to bet the uh, St. Thomas game, which is which is phenomenal. If I might add that we can bet St. Thomas game now. I mean, that is game changing. <laughs> Randy, will you look that up while we get into the next bit about St. Thomas here? Yep, yep. Beautiful. I'm on it. Uh, men's basketball. Tommy Men's Basketball landed a huge recruit over the weekend. I think it's safe to say biggest in school history, BG. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. For sure. For sure biggest in school history at this point. Four-star out of Tino Grace. I'm going to butcher his first name here. Ajani? I, I don't Ajani? know. I was thinking Ajani. Ajani? Well, let's know. go with Ajani. That sounds right. It's A-H-J-N. Why Lee? So we're, we're going to go with Johnny Lee, four-star recruit. He's the number 99 ranked prospect in the country, class of 2022, I believe. So he's got a year. No, he's a senior. I'd make him a senior, right? Yep. Yeah. So next year he'll be with the Tommies. Beautiful. Uh, Tommies landing a big one. That's that, that was some pretty big news around the state too. They were talking about it on KFan today, uh, and that's probably the biggest recruit anybody any D1 team, which is only the U of M and St. Thomas. Uh, for basketball has gotten in quite a while yeah uh, for at least a couple of years i mean i don't know what one's the last big time gopher recruit i think amir coffee has been the latest four star that the gophers have gotten okay um 
So that would have been 20, yeah, 2016. So, yeah, yeah. probably the biggest biggest since recruit then. since 2016 for either squad. Uh, that's a good get for Coach Tower. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome get. And it's just even more amazing when you look at Ajani's other offers that he had. He had an offer from the U of M. So if he wanted to stay home and you're thinking, oh, that's why he went to St. Thomas. Well, he turned the U of M's offer down. Um, with the new coach Ben Johnson to come play for Coach Tower, I love it. In I St. love Paul. it. He had an offer from Kansas, Stanford, Florida, and some smaller schools, um, but he turned down those those other schools. The top three were Kansas, I mean, Stanford, and St. Thomas. You can just and end he, at Kansas. he chose St. Thomas. That's an impressive yeah. Kansas, yeah. you have a legitimate cool. chance to win a national championship. You same have, with St. Thomas. Same with St. Thomas. <laughs> you have great um, NBA prospecting with Bill Self and just being a, a basketball player on campus. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna be well known, especially in this day and age when you can make money off your name and like likeliness. Um, to go to St. Thomas, I I feel just to be well, honest, I'm, I'm a little confused, but I am not complaining. I am pumped and. And I, I think we're going to March Madness in 2022. We're, we're dancing, baby. Get your <laughs> dancing shoes on. We're calling it here first. And I did see a tweet from a dude on Twitter, obviously, who covers Minnesota sports. And he's saying as of right now, St. Thomas basketball for class of 2022 has a legitimate top 40 class in college basketball. Damn. Because they've got, they've got that dude. they got some other – I think he's a three-star. We'll have to look into that for another time, but – that got those two guys, and then I think a couple of transfers yeah. for next year. Yeah. I mean, when, when they made How the embarrassing move, for the U of M. Yep. How yeah. embarrassing. That's awesome, dude. Let's do it all day long. I mean, we've watched the Gophers and cheered for the Gophers and been heartbroken by the Gophers for so long, and they're just lack of leadership at the top, at the top of everything, at the top of athletics, at the top of the school is so bad and so dismal. They, they can't put together a team year in and year out in really any sport besides, like, wrestling. <laughs> or I don't know. I guess their cross country team. My sister runs for. They're pretty good. But hockey, hockey. But yeah. other than that, they suck at the sports we care about. Wow. And uh, absolutely let's, pathetic. Let's start poaching on those players. They they can't seem to keep home. I yeah. love it. Go Johnny Tower. Yep. And I mean, you're in the Summit League, which is ob- obviously like a, a lesser draw than the Big Ten. But for I now. think looking at our roster, for now, we're we're, I don't know summit. if we're going to win a Big Ten game this season. So do you want to go through being zero and fourteen, whatever, whatever it would be in the Big Ten, or win the Summit League, play North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Oral Roberts, who made a run, and then go to March Madness like that and yep. try to make a run of it. They're going to be on we'll top see. of the Summit League here in just a couple of years. Mark my words. I mean, they got a lot to sell. Big-time city, awesome campus. And when you look at the other schools in that conference, they got a lot to sell compared to those other schools. Uh, and so they're going to start getting these guys. And I think if they can get into the Big East in 10, 15 years, St. Thomas could be a legitimate basketball school like they could be a they could be a marquette of minnesota why not yeah start stealing all the recruits in state lock down the borders and and they got a legitimate chance to make themselves into a pretty good basketball team i can't wait for the season to come around uh to see the boys in action and yeah start the new saint thomas legacy at the d1 level tickets starting at 140 bucks a game right something like that for (laughs) for the football team for football okay which Sounds like a lot. It obviously is a lot, but when you factor in, yeah, they have a certain amount of uh, seats set aside for students. There's not that many seats left in the stadium. Yep. And you know, the donors, alumni, people who are really passionate, parents are going to fill up those seats pretty quickly yep. where the ones remaining are expensive. And the basketball, I imagine, would be just as expensive, if not more, especially if they're good, because that, that arena is tiny. Yeah. They're going to have students 
I mean, this, that place, the students actually be full every night. I imagine with St. Thomas being D one, that place is going to be rocking. Because Andy and I, we we saw a bunch of games in there where that place was full, and it gets loud. And now they put in an extra hundred oh, seats yeah. or whatever, and if they're going to fill up the entire arena to max capacity, like I imagine they will try to do every game because it's already pretty small. That that place can be a hard place to win on the road. Yeah, the worst the worst seat in the house. You're 15 rows from the court. Yeah. So you can't really do that in D1 basketball. Amen. Uh, Also, real quick, real quick, I don't think St. Thomas can make March Madness this year. Oh, that's such Because it's just like a NCAA rule. I think there's some rule that, if I'm right, there's some rule that like when you make the jump, there's like two years where like even if you win the conference, you can't make the tournament. Yeah, but that may all, you're probably right, Randy, but that could also be for teams that made the jump. We didn't make the jump from D2 to D1. We made a jump from D3 to D1. No team's ever done that. And they had a special exemption to do that just because they were kicked out of their conference. I mean, it wasn't by choice thing. Yeah, they were kicked I, out of their conference. So it could, they could have special rules for St. Thomas. Yeah, I, I guess what I should say is I'm not sure exactly what the situation is, but yeah. that's um, it's just something that might happen. So we'll see what happens this year. We'll see. Ramblin' Rick. We haven't uh, we haven't heard from from the Ramblin' Rick himself in quite a while. I understand you have a story about a famous man who passed away just recently. Yeah, um, won't do this man justice <laughs> at all. Uh, Norm McDonald, comedian, SNL guy. Um, he was part of that. I think he was like that David Spade, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley crew. He's like a lesser known guy of that, but he was just a part of that group as any of those three guys I mentioned. Um, got kind of got into him. Jared got it really into him a couple of years back earlier in college. And he's just got the most bizarre um, sense of humor ever. He's, his, his delivery is so unique and it's so dry. And it's some of his punchlines um, kind of just hang off. And, and it's, it's hard to explain unless you listen to him and you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. This guy's kind of unlike any, unlike any humor, any comedian that's really out there. I feel like he kind of paved the way for a lot of, uh, different types of stand up. I don't know. I feel like he was the first real, real savage comedian that just didn't really care at all, but he had just a crazy funny delivery. Um, yeah, passed away with cancer. He was dealing with cancer for like nine years. And I don't think anyone, obviously people knew that, but I don't think he went mainstream with it. And, uh, yeah, I think he was like 61 today. And uh, looking at some Twitter, I don't on Twitter, but just a lot of tweets, like a lot of people coming in on this one saying that how they impact, he impacted them. Like I saw like better than Ezra, the band, like, like people just out of the woodwork coming out and saying how impactful this dude was, which is pretty cool. But yeah, there's a, there's a couple of really, really funny YouTube clips of him. Um, Got a couple, just pretty much anything you watch of him is just so super funny. There's this one story about him. He goes to, he goes out to the bar and he's only drinking like four or five times in his life. Um, he gets hammered with this one biker guy. And all of a sudden he wakes up in a room with him, a biker guy and him in separate beds, like twin beds. And he found out that biker man had checked him into rehab and he was his like sponsor. <laughs> so he goes through the AA process. And he's trying to get out of it, but he can't. Cause <laughs> apparently, it's a. In, in his words, he's like, apparently, alcoholics have a thing for 
denying that they have alcoholism or just stuff like that. And he's just really, really clever guy, really smart. And uh, he's definitely, certainly worth a watch. I don't know if we're legally able to link a video at the end of this and link a sound bite, but if we could, it'd be well worth your, worth your guys' time to listen to it or just go on a YouTube rabbit hole tonight and search Norm McDonald. Probably can't go wrong with anything you, anything you put out there. I love it. I love it. Good to have you back, Ramble and Rick. And uh, good to hear good about to Norm McDonald. Yes, uh, sir. Last note I wanted to mention here. I forgot to bring it up earlier. Rumors about P.J. Fleck going to USC. I think they're total bogus. I don't think he was ever, ever interested or is interested in the job. Uh, but he was just a Thank name goodness. that's been popped up around Twitter. At least that's that's what I'm going with for now. Until did, we hear for did you hear the other rumor about the USC job? What, what coach would be interested? Eric is, uh, Urban Mock. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. <laughs> no Urban Meyer's got to make his fucking throw mind anybody's up. name in there. <laughs> yeah. well, no, but 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 first first we have to have the health issues. If they have the health issues come up with Urban Meyer, that he has to take some time with his family, and then there has to be one year off where he's doing Big Ten Network analysis. Yep, and then he can come back and coach USC. That's yeah. the Urban Meyer way. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Is he already hanging up the coat in Jacksonville? Uh, I mean, one week in, uh, I think he's still holding strong. But Randy, <laughs> the, 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 the reports are the reports that Jacksonville are. He is not a happy camper. He's not having a good time. Yeah, I heard really. That. Just like talking to his coaches in a way that doesn't really fly in the NFL. Talking to his players where they're just not receiving it well, which I feel like um, former college coaches have that problem. Like Nick Saban was not successful. It's just a big jump and zero and one thus far against the Texans, who. Could have been an 0 16 candidate. Yep. 0 17 candidate. Um, yeah, who knows? Fun yeah. to watch. But anyway, PJ, he's staying here. And uh, if there's anything else to report, we'll be back. But until then, we'll see you guys next week on the Wake Take Podcast. And day after day, I'm more confused. And I look for the light in the pouring rain. You know that's a game I hate to lose And I'm feeling strange Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Won't you take me away? Yeah. I'm beginning to think that I'm wasting time. I don't understand the things I do. The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you To carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll And drift away won't you take me away, yeah. And when my mind is free, you 
the guitar's coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your soul. Oh, yeah. Rhythm and rhyme and harmony. You help me along. Oh, making me strong. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Drift away. Don't, don't, don't. Give me the people. Free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Don't you take me away?